The magic of music is its power to connect, to inspire and cross borders. However, most music nowadays is consumed through playlists created by algorithms. And these playlists, they tend to keep us in our bubble and withhold us from experiencing new sounds. In this podcast series, we introduce you to musicians you might have never heard of. This is Music Meetup. Welcome to Music Meetup, the podcast by the Music Meeting Festival. The Music Meetup concept is based on spontaneous and sometimes improvised musical encounters between two musicians. They come from different worlds, speak different languages, but took on the challenge and joined forces to play a concert. In each podcast episode, we offer you the chance to get to know the people behind the music. To keep the improv flow going in our table talk, we prepared an unconventional, non-scripted conversation. There's a bowl on the table that contains questions that can take the conversation anywhere and everywhere. My name is Rufeira Abu Taleb. I'm a musician and the host of this show. In this episode, I speak with Esat Ekinjolu and Jana Pelzer. Esat has been trying to destroy his cheap pressboard bass since 2012. At this point, there's more duct tape on it than wood left. Born in Istanbul, one cannot judge him without having eaten his lentil soup, and when not tearing stages apart with his paranoid punk jazz formation, he leads an ethno-jazz ensemble that tours the world. Jana Pelzer is a violist and composer. Her musical interests are not that easy to capture. She's passionate about classical music, improvisation, music for theater and pop artists, and collaborates with musicians from all over the world. guys hello hello how are you doing great fantastic great. how about you i'm good how was your concert how did it make you feel yeah it was interesting uh i'm not sure if i felt much but yeah <laughs> can't put it into words maybe is that well i felt good uh, it was the first concert that we gave it uh, yana and the first the second time we ever meet in person and uh, I thought we really had an interesting synergy. And the music came out quite nice. Yeah, because you played a fully improvised concert. Yeah. And uh, it, But it sounded like you were very well able to, in, to interact. Like you, um, like you, were very, you, you were very much in touch with each other, even though you haven't met that often before. No, just once before, actually. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you describe how that first encounter with Aesot, how it how it went? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I went to Groningen all the way from Rotterdam, 
Uh, and it felt like a trip, like a holiday trip, actually, because, yeah, in these days we don't travel that much anymore. So like two and a half hours in the train is like, oh, proper trip. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we arrived and uh, Esot was like full on organization. Okay, let's go to the supermarket. Let's get us some food uh, for the whole day. And then uh, he took me to his studio and there we recorded um, our improvisations and... Uh, yeah. How yeah. did you how did you prepare for that? How did you go into it? We didn't prepare anything. Yeah, not, nothing at all. No. I mean, <laughs> it is the viol, the alt viol and the contrabass work perfectly together. Uh, the ranges, the colors, and I felt like we could really uh, explore a lot together with Yana here in this short uh, period of time. And that is the beauty of improvisational, improvised music. Uh, actually, you can really create great music, great sounds, great uh, concepts, and that you can put your attitude towards the what you think the aesthetics of music is with in an improvisational setting. You don't really have to pl- prepare when you both have a, a big judgment about how you... Uh, how you do music, what you understand aesthetically from this uh, collaboration of sounds, let's say. And did you did you talk about it as well when you went to Groningen, Jana, or did you just grab your instruments and started playing straight away? Yeah. Yeah, of course. We had one Zoom meeting before just to talk a little bit through, like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to check each other out on internet first? Exactly. Are we going to check videos? And and I said no, let's not do it because exactly. let's really keep it pure, like a as if I I would meet him on the street, for example, carrying a double bass. Yeah, exactly. and I feel and it's like let's play. Yeah, exactly. So. When we did the first Zoom meeting, um, I proposed like I mean, how can I find out what you do, uh, what have you played in, and how you play. Uh, Diana said, yeah, let's keep it pure. Let's keep it uh, unadulterated. Uh, let's not have any opinion about how we play about each other. And let's just go for it. And uh, I really respected that. I actually, it was what I wanted to hear. <laughs> and then uh, we just met as a great vacation day. The weather was beautiful in Groningen. We took a nice walk around Haren. We recorded we drank good whiskey. Uh, was a great time. And so you discussed in the Zoom meeting, you only discussed the process. You discussed how are we going to go about collaborating. And what did you discuss when you were walking by the waterside in Groningen? What, what's, how did you communicate about music? Uh, well, it was interesting. Um, actually, after four improvisations we did uh, and recorded uh, we were kind of done also we were hungry so we uh, we ate a pizza and then the talk- talking really started about music uh, and yeah we found out I mean I, I was just um, talking about how I felt while improvising improvising with Esad and uh, for me that it was kind of new his approach to it uh, I, I had never played with someone uh, who has a very uh, specific uh, approach, uh, in, in some of the sessions we did. Um, 
And to tell you just the approach, uh, we, we talked a bit about repeti repetitive music, uh, and, uh, trance music that makes you, um, go in a trance. Um, and yeah, it was interesting to talk about that for me. So this was something that ASOT brought in that was new for you. Yes. Because I come from classical music and I have the, it's in my blood that whenever I play something, it has to tell a story and it has to be uh, relevant to what's happening. And for me, the concept of trance music, more about completely letting go and just going into another space, that's something I haven't seen yet so much in my own playing. But we did hear some of it today in your playing, I think. Yeah, so I took something from uh, <laughs> that improv session with Esa that I learned and I, I guess I applied it today. I mean, he also, when he plays, he invites to it. And what, what did you learn from Jana, Aesot? I was very impressed that how efficient and how great of a sound that she produced from the instrument already. And just being subjected to that made my playing stronger. And, but this is, uh, not only from Jana, but it's with every great player that you play with. This is the first thing that you get out of it. And, uh, I mean, if you ask, like, did I, was I introduced to a new, total new ap approach to music with playing with Yana? I must say, I mean, no, because, I mean, we play with many great musicians, but it is always uh, the biggest pleasure to uh, play with a player who is, so direct with the sound and with the, uh, with the ideas, with the concepts, and also who, uh, who, um, translates it, transfers it so clearly. And it's always a pleasure. So for me, playing together with Yana, I didn't take it as a learning didactic experience, to be honest. I learned it as I took, I take it as a, I took it as a pure pleasure and I still take it as a pure pleasure. It was really great uh, that we, thanks you to music meeting. Kai is not here. So, Sophia, everybody that you put us together it was really wonderful. <laughs> grabbing experience in the bowl? Go for it. Uh, wait, let's... <laughs> there are less cards than I expected. Yeah, because I took some out. Ah, so... The questions you were talking, uh, thinking about. How do new ideas, sounds or concepts come to life? Yeah, great question. What do you think, Rufaida? <laughs> a great way of deflecting the question well i think there are so many ways and uh it, it depends also on the situation i think maybe it helps to think of a specific situation in which a new idea came to life yana <laughs> if you want to read the question well, again <laughs> for example yana you have this concept <laughs> of taking your viola 
and singing to it. That was something that, that you decided to start doing a while ago. How, how did you get to that idea? Actually, I don't know how, uh, it doesn't usually come with me from an idea. In general, I don't have much ideas <laughs> in my head. Usually I'm a, more of a sponge person. So whenever I am somewhere and I see something and I'm very visual person. Uh, so I do lots of things with my eyes when no one looks. I like, I don't know if you can see it, but like I, I can see double. So then I'm seeing two of the same things and then I'm kind of moving things with my eyes. And I guess maybe with that translated to sound that I need two sounds together to be able to face them. Uh, wow, this the, is really interesting. I don't know. I guess it comes from there, but yeah, it comes spontaneous. It's not something I think of uh, beforehand. So you basically say that the way you physically experience the world in vision shapes the way you approach your thinking of music? I think so, yeah. Because uh, as an organism, um, everything that happens around you, touch, vision, uh, audio, so hearing, um, it, it, it comes into your system, which is a nervous system of many, many years of humanity, uh, that carries so much, um, uh, experience in it already just from, from birth, uh, without having experienced anything. Um, so I guess anything that comes in a way through the body, um, is processed in the same way, at least for me, I think. <laughs> I, I just find it very wonderful, very inspiring that this very um, concrete physical experience of the way you your vision works, that that is uh, directly translatable to the viola and your voice and phasing it in and out of each other and putting it together in 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 a new and creating a new sound with it. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, something I can do for hours actually. Also with sound, like singing one tone, playing the same tone, but then slightly different and then enjoying exactly the point where they vibrate in a way that it's exciting. And then you go back and you reach this, all of a sudden, this very pure tone that you cannot distinguish anymore. What is your vocal sound and what is your string sound? That is just, and also, of course, the room helps with that. But that, those kind of things, I guess it's physics, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're a scientist. What, what about you, Asad? You had some time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would like to add to yeah, what Jana said. I think when you make peace what, with what uh, is natural to you, uh, there from that moment on, you start uh, creating new ideas, sounds or concepts as the question entails. You have to make peace with what, how your body is, how you want to play the instrument, and uh, what you hear as a natural sound, maybe from your upbringing, maybe from your um, from your inspirations around. The music and the conservatory idea really imposes uh, unnatural restrictions to every musician. I mean, and when we surpass that, when we try not try to 
be something else that when we don't try to follow the rules that which is put by the year of course the mastery of music the years of development of uh, any kind of music and we turn to ourselves what is natural to me how should i be playing this instrument uh, what pl- sound do i like could you maybe explain a bit about this, these restrictions you were talking about because you were fully agreeing but i wasn't completely understanding look for example i will just turn to myself uh, about the con- double bass I'm I came I came from a, a bass guitar background. I started playing jazz uh, through hip hop, through the roots basically. I never was influenced by uh, the straight ahead jazz, which is taught as jazz in schools. You know, every conservatory that you go, all around, every jazz conservatory that you go all around the globe is going to try to teach you some this way or that way of the American approach of the jazz. Mm-hmm. That was never a natural thing for me. Mm. And uh, so this is one. I tried to put myself into these restrictions for a year and a half or two in my first two years of the university and uh, preparing for the auditions. I injured myself because I tried to be a jazz player. But that was never natural to me. I came from a bass guitar background. I came from playing punk rock. I I came from playing hard rock. And my uh, uh, introduction to jazz was through hip-hop, through the roots, to to this instrument. Yeah. And so I had to make peace with that. So you're you're basically saying, uh, to summarize... The, the borders that are given to us or the, the restrictions or the rules that are given to us with the music in, in, uh, in music schools specifically, uh, limits us from, from, from our natural or original way of approaching. Music. Exactly. I mean, yeah. when you make, when you get that, when you try to, uh, not put yourself into that box and into the, a success ideal that that box uh, offers you, when you break off of this box and you just go your way, new ideas and concepts come about. So would you would you describe yourself as a rebel? Asa? Yeah, I want to believe so. Yeah. I mean, this is the only thing that I want to actually do. I want to be a memorable person. I don't want to be a great bass player. I want to be a memorable bass player. It's different things. I mean, I want people to love me or hate me and even people to hate me more. This is my approach. You prefer people to hate you more than to just be um, unaffected by you. Yeah, I don't want to be forgettable. I don't want to be just one of the guys who can, who play, who do the job. You are replaceable. I don't want to be replaceable. How do you feel about that, Jana? Because you are also a very non-traditional string player. Yeah, but I actually am uh, in the same time. uh, And I had big troubles with that. um, Because I believe that when a person um, plays an instrument in a natural way, that would feel good. So when you play as if, or like, like a child, you do that with joy. And it feels good. And it's... You know, you're taken by it. Uh, and there's no criticism. There's no effort uh, at all. Uh, and for example, for my own experience, when going to the conservatory, I all of a sudden had to play in a certain way, which is a pattern that is given from generation to generation 
in the classical world. And you sort of, as a student, have to make that your new nature. You have to yeah. make it natural for yourself. And in order to make something natural for yourself, you have to kind of rewire your whole system, uh, you know, and, and that's why I'm, I, I mean, I kind of made it my second nature, classical music. So I feel kind of at home in it. Um, but it also hurts me a lot. Uh, also physically, it can hurt me and it can be very liberating to just play your instrument like you would do it naturally without any tensions or, you know, and where you get really inspired. So how did you break loose from, um, from that mold, that, that classical mold? Because the thing of you, of the singing with your playing together, that's something that you started doing quite recently, right? Yeah, maybe five years ago or something. Yeah. No, I, I think it, it was, um, um, I got to a point where playing classical music in the way I was doing got so tensed for me and so unnatural in a way, like I felt very locked up, um, that I just had to break loose. I had to do something to keep my love for the instrument because it was soon gonna get destroyed actually by, by the pain that classical music gave me. Yana, you had you grabbed a question. Yeah, 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 it's here. You have two. Oh, I have three. Two. Should I? Um, three. Well, I just well, the one I open now. The one I open. What challenges did you face in collaborating together? You want to answer that? Um, I would say none. I think I thought it was just a very natural first meeting. And uh, although Diana says she's not a day drinker, uh, she eventually turned out to be one. Is this peer? <laughs> is this, so is this peer pressure, or what, what happened there? <laughs> no, not a peer pressure. Just uh, good offerings. <laughs> okay, Yana, do you feel the same way? Did it all come supernatural to you? Um, if I'm very honest, um, there were moments where I thought, uh. Is this sounding like anything <laughs> I want to be playing right now? And it's uh, just because uh, I'm more of a player who, when I'm put in a context of playing with someone, I rather only play when I feel I need to, when it makes sense to play something and that what I play, it's something that I mean or that, that I want to express rather than just playing and finding out through just playing, you know? So I, I felt, uh, because Esat is, is someone who is more used to just start and, you know, just go and go and go. And maybe that's also part of his trance way of feeling the music as well. I'm, I'm not sure you can tell <laughs> later about it. But like for me, in order to start, I kind of need something to relate to, you know, or to start, to derive from, uh, and, uh, that was a bit of a challenge uh, for me um, because, yeah, we talked, I mentioned the coexistence of two people playing at the same time, although they are not playing with each other. They're yeah, playing, playing at, at, each, at other. each other. That's what you exactly. said. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically I'm throwing my playing to you and you're throwing your playing to you 
to me, and it's actually not in dialogue musically, but actually exactly. just because they are coexisting at the same time in the same room, they are in dialogue. Exactly. For the listener. Yes. Absolutely. But it's like, it, for me, it's funny to be as a musician and a listener at the same time. I, I, I'm not in that, yet so trained in that way of making music. Um, Aesat, do you want to respond to that? Well, no, I mean, we spoke about it after we played, actually, because she, uh, told, uh, told about her concerns at that moment. And I mean, as an improviser, um, you really find the, how to say, I mean, improvisers will tell you that, ah, you play together and you have to always listen to each other. But that is not the case, you know. You have to think of it as a Jackson Pollock. I mean, you, there is a beauty in the chaos, chaos, you know. Or you have to think it of a serenity of a Juan Miro. I mean, there is a big picture, which is a big background, and then there is a stamp on it. There is something that is that doesn't really belong there. And that makes the beauty of that composition. So how did you overcome the fact that Aesot is an anarchist? And you're not? How did you, how did you? She's totally an anarchist. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, are you? Do you feel like that? Would you describe yourself as an anarchist? No, no, not in the attitude that I have. <laughs> Maybe somewhere in, deep in me, yes, but I don't have, I'm more of a, someone who, you know, likes to agree or follow, um, not that I follow what's, what's popular or anything, but like, I guess calling myself an anarchist, I feel that it's, it's very unnuanced way of describing myself. So anyway, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. How did I overcome? Yeah. How did you this overcome this idea of music? That you have different, different perspectives mm -hmm. on how to collaborate. Um, yeah. I just really see it as a, as a chance to dive in this more, like to really feel good, just playing. Also, not really that you mean it to play, but just play for play, you know, play for doing it. And that, that is okay. And it's, can coexist with the other person playing and that it actually creates a beautiful palette of combinations of sounds that you could never even imagine before, you know? So yeah, in, exactly. like actually what I mean to say maybe is not playing from intention so that you have an intention to say something mm -hmm. with what you play, but just playing from existence. Like, Oh, exactly. I exist. I breathe. Yeah, exactly. I'm making sound. Exactly. I'm like, You know, I'm here exactly. and I can be here and I don't yeah. need to do anything specific yeah. or cool or interesting exactly. to contribute to the process because exactly. the process is exactly. that. Yeah, Just the process there. is the, the product is the end of, I mean, the whole picture, what you create at the end. So it, I, I felt, I mean, as an improviser and I can call myself, I, I started calling myself an improviser just in the past recent years. Beforehand, I was also having the same struggle. What do you play? How do you respond? Can I hear? How do I, uh, how do I react? And then you sort of, when you let go of that and what is natural to me, what I want, what do I want to do, you know, in life in, with my instrument, with music? There you go. I stated. And what I can see, I mean, Good improvisers are doing that, you know.
grab the last question to last round question. up the conversation. Uh, which sound or piece of music defines who you are and why? I like the musics that I play with the bands that I'm already working with very much. I mean, but besides that, I will tell you what changed my life. What which record changed my life? The first record that changed my life for many years and still is Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. But the other record I also told you last time uh, that changed my life and that really defines who I am and why is a 1990 album, 1989 album of uh, The Next uh, and it's called Sex. And let me elaborate for just a second. <laughs> It is a, a 52 minute piece of music, one album. One groove, dun 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 dun. Fifty-two minutes of this, fifty-two or fifty-seven of this. You really have to sit down and listen to what is happening, just because of its existence. And it's a piece of music, an album that you just have to let it happen to you. You can, you should not start thinking, "Ah, oh, what is the story this is telling me." You just let it play. And why and then, did it, why did it impact you so much? Why did it impact me so much? Because from the repetition, I found like uh, again, like the Pollocks or the you know, I find or the Rotkos, I find a, an amazing experience and a unity that is coming from repetition. To me, I mean, the more you listen to one thing so long. The more you hear, the more details you hear of that, and actually there is a lot of uh, details. I mean, there is a lot of uh, different uh, harmonics in the even one note that we play, and when it's repeated for fifty plus minutes, just happens to you basically. Then you really think, wow! I mean. There is more into that, you know. Yeah, so you started to to practice that yourself and see where the value of of repetition is and how. Yeah, it's not just repetition. I like expansion, you know. I think it's like looking into it through a microscope almost. It's one image, one drop of water you are looking at, and you can look at it millions of uh, hours, and you will still see something else, you know. But you you feel the same way, right? The way you described playing one note on your viola and. And singing to it for hours, um, that microscopic way of thinking of music is something you can relate to, isn't it? Yes, uh, but for me, it's not in repetition or in in trance. Well, maybe a different trance, <laughs> but um, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And what, what's your your uh, what's the piece of music that changed your life or made a big impact? At some point. Um, two events, I would say. One was when I was five and I heard a CD for the first time. It was uh, Music for the Millions, the CD was called. And it was just a collection of classical music for their pop popular classical pieces. And the first track on the album was uh, The Arrival of the Queen of Sheba by uh, Friedrich uh, Handel. And it's a, this Baroque orchestra was playing it. And it has this these violins, uh, like a like a whirlwind, going, you know. And I remember as a child, I could I was just sitting on the floor 
each time I would put on that CD and then I would just dream away miles away, like listening to that. Uh, and the other event was a concert in Bimhuis, uh, like five years ago, uh, of, uh, uh Diabate, Tumani Diabate oh. and his son, Siddiqui Diabate. They were playing in duo. They're uh, both uh, Kora players from Mali and, um. Kora is kind of like a harp, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's this, uh, really beautiful, um, instrument. Uh, that, yeah. It sounds like a harp, but it has a nice edge to it, like a punch to it. And they played for, I don't know, one and a half hours. And I was completely blown away by the sound of it. And that actually influenced my plucked viola sound. Hmm. I also put gut strings on my viola just to reach kind of that sound as well. And by yeah. gut strings, you mean not artificial strings, but strings that were made from... From gut, yeah, sheep or ram guts. So your viola is not vegan. Yeah, I'm like I'm actually trying to compensate for my behavior by being a vegetarian <laughs> because I'm also playing on the hairs of the bow or horse hair, you know. So I'm like, yeah. Anyway, I don't wear leather, so. <laughs> Thank you guys for um for this talk. Um, Thank you. Thank it went you. in many directions, and it I think it's a great addition to the concert you played. It was very interesting and it gives us a nice context to, to the music. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. This was an episode of the Music Meetup podcast. Please find the full concert by Fuensanta and Nauros and more information about the Music Meeting Festival program on musicmeeting.nl. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to get updates on the show. My name is Rufeda, and this podcast is produced by Dag en Nacht Media and Music Meeting. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Uh-huh.